Guardians still haven't played a game yet, but we're going to talk more draft because of it. And I'm going to explain the biggest question that I saw online, which is why are people not watching the All-Star game on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for all of these episodes uh, of this entire podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, and I also want to take a moment and explain who I am, which is before this gig, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst for Scout and 24-7. Before that, I wrote for every Cleveland sports blog you've probably ever read, specifically mostly about the draft and prospects. So let's start off with the All-Star Game. I read a lot of things today about why is the All-Star Game ratings hitting an all-time low? Why is the All-Star Game something people aren't watching? Well, I mean, I didn't watch it. I had people ask me questions. I'm like, I, I didn't. I got other things to do. Uh, at the same time, it was still the highest rating sporting event since game six of the NBA finals. So it's all relative. And when they're like, well, back in the nineties, when it had a 20 share, whatever it was like that. Okay. So I was getting the nineties and I'll explain to you why it is different now. Why people watch it so much then and not now one is a kid in the nineties. Uh, if Tony Gwynn was, you know, one of those guys we thought could hit 400, Andres Galarraga had some great starts to years. Uh, there was always, you know, Johan Santana was, well, he was with the Twins then, eventually ended up with the Mets. But if you're on the other side of things, like he was the best pitcher on the planet by a large margin. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to think about like, you know, who the stars were. But the whole point being here is you didn't see them. There was no MLB TV. This was like the one time a year I was going to get to see those players live. Uh, if you were a National League player, you didn't come to the American League. So I didn't see you. There was no interleague. There was no streaming service. So it made that game important because that was the one time to see all of those players. So if you really loved baseball, it stood out for that reason. So that's part one. Part two, th- there's so many different things you can watch nowadays. And I find it hard, honestly, to watch TV. I have a hard time sitting there and watching something that has commercial breaks anymore because I spend so much of my life watching things that don't. And a lot of people don't want (laughs) to watch live TV anymore. It's just the truth of it. They'll watch their sporting event. But an all-star game, which is essentially an exhibition game, it's hard. And again, there's so many different places. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, back in my day situation, we, we only had basic cable. I had 13 channels, so... I watch all sporting events just because I was thankful for it. Nowadays, you know, if you got the internet, which most homes do in America, not all, but a majority do, you can watch anything at any time just through YouTube virtually, and that's free, let alone all the services. And then three, baseball hasn't evolved the all-star game. Its biggest evolution was, it matters now. You know, the whole thing about whoever wins the World Series gets home field advantage, which was dumb. Uh, but it's also a situation where look at, you know, the NHL was actually pretty good about being on the cutting edge with this. They were the first ones that did like a, a draft, right? Excuse me. Now the NBA does that too, where like you draft teams and you got some fake uh, 
tension between them and some feeling of caring. Make it something where it's like that. Like, eliminate the whole coach aspect. Like, no one cares about the coaches at the All-Star game. Let, you know, the AL MVP from last year and the NL MVP from last year draft from a pool, and then the winning team gets money because that'll make them care to some degree, right? That's that's how they should go. Make it something like we've seen with the NHL and the NBA because nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Sorry, football, yours is definitely the least interesting. But do something. you got to do something to change it. Make more interesting this there's been no evolution it's the same home run derby and then you know al versus nl that it's been since like i mean the last time it evolved is when they got rid of like the end of the year all-star game there used to be multiple all-star events uh this is the the change of it is now there is not multiple all-star events there is one but nothing else has changed uh you know home run derby doesn't feel like a lot of people were really all that used for my idea was let's put the 10 worst home run hitters and see who can hit the most or uh i don't know a velocity contest like just let some guys go out and throw 10 pitches or, or you know movement or things like that if you're like oh i don't want someone to blow their arm out it's only 10 pitches i mean they're trying to do that in most games anyways is just go out there and let it rip but do something interesting do a sprint let's see who the fat you know let's let's sit there and, and and find out who the fastest guy in baseball let's find out who's the hardest throwing guy in baseball let's find out who's got the greatest curve you know, do something like that, something interesting but different and new. I think the big problem with the All-Star game is it hasn't evolved at all in any form. And we see other leagues have done some attempt to do that. Uh, who do I blame? Well, I, I mean, I always stick with Rob Manford, who uh, you know also made that great comment about minor leaguers making a living wage. And then a bunch of minor leaguers proceeded to be like, I made 11000 last year. And, and I know... Uh, Manfred would argue, well, it's only like four months of work. That's that's a third of the year. You know, that puts you on pace for thirty three thousand if you worked a full year. It's like, yeah, but then as a baseball player, you go work at, uh, you know, whatever job is going to give you the leeway to to disappear for a few months. It's not a lot of them. So it's, you know, he's definitely awful, and it is a problem. I don't think anyone's going to do anything to evolve the game. I think it's in a good enough state for them. But they could make it fun. They could make it interesting. Like. Before the NBA drafted stuff, uh, did their draft and all that stuff, uh, you know, I liked watching it as a kid for the three-point contest and the slam dunk, but that stuff started to get old. Remember, then they introduced skills contests. They did other things. Adding the draft, I think, really helped make it a more interesting component, you know, the back and forth on how that works. There's ways to spice it up and evolve. And when it comes to sports, you got to do that. You got to spice it up and evolve. You can't keep things the same. So that's, that's kind of my take on the All-Star game. My people ask me about, you know, various player performances, and I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I know Classe pitched, uh, and um, Jose wasn't a starter, so I can't even tell you if Jose or Andres played the game. Uh, I, I wasn't paying any attention. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm part of the problem. I never missed it uh, until I was about a college-age kid, and <laughs> I just, I had other things once I got to college uh, that I was more concerned about during the summers, and I never went back. So it was also one of those things that was, like, interesting as a kid. But then, again, as I grew up, I had more things to focus on. And then it became a thing where it's like, it doesn't matter if I don't see, you know, Clayton Kershaw pitch here because I have MLB TV. I can see every single one of his starts if I want. It's not that limited feeling. It's not that this is my one time a year. And I don't know. It just it it doesn't have... Let me know if I'm if I'm wrong. If you feel different, hit me up on my Twitter at Jeff Draft. But the All Star Game just feels boring. 
I like baseball. Having them wear dull uniforms that are uniform. Uh, like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with it. New skills competitions, you know, figure something different. Add a draft component. Add a, you got, I mean, you can't have like a, a little playoff with like the comp, you know, almost be more interesting to have like, I, I don't know how you do it, but like the, you know, everyone, but you know, makes fun of how bad the AL central is. But like if you had each division had an all-star team and then they played off over the course of a week, uh, of course the problem would be the pitching with that. So it doesn't really work. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, do that, but instead of pitchers, it's just a pitching uh, machine. It's just a, a coach or something, so no one has to worry about their arm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the, the, long story short, uh, at this point in time, it's not a must-see event. It's not an interesting event. And it's an event that feels, I mean, it feels stale. It feels old, and that's not going to help you get young eyes on it. So... All-Star Game needs to evolve. We're going to take a break, come back, get into a little more in-depth the day three players of the draft as we haven't had a chance to give them their due yet on today's Locked On Guardians. So the Sports Card Investor app is a really cool idea. Uh, I like it. I've used it in application. I've told you about it. I've got the cards right over there. Uh, it's nice because instead of like, uh, okay, so in fairness, I don't when I, I almost it's not like taking that time to go through the old Beckett magazine, but I kind of love that back in the day, uh, getting my monthly baseball Beckett. My cousin got the uh, NFL one, then we trade halfway through the month. But do you remember that fun feel with Beckett magazine and looking up your cards and seeing what's? You can do that now. You don't have to wait for that once a month. You just pick up your phone, scan your cards. And it's not just baseball. It's not just sports. I mean, they have Marvel cards and uh, you know various other type, and they're adding more and more all the time. So go check that out. Get that feeling like when you were a kid. Uh, some of that nostalgia of checking your cards. But again, you don't. It's not back at magazine. You don't have to wait for it to come. Uh, you can check every single day, and they're using cross referencing through things like eBay, and they'll even help you sell your cards if you decide it's time to move on. Your collection's just collecting dust and you want to make a few bucks. Right now, go to the Sports Card Investor app uh, and download it through either iTunes or Google Play, free in both, or head to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. It's a fun app. I've used it. Try it out. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so easy to find out how much your cards are worth. I think I've done too many podcasts. Uh, I'm going to apologize now. I feel like my voice is starting to go on me a little, so I'm just going to put that out there i feel you know yesterday i was talking with Lindsay, and he's like how are you holding up you did like more than anyone just because they did all those streams on draft night like i'm doing fine but man today it's it's starting to slip on me a bit here so day three of the draft the guardians as we talked about i don't know if anyone saw keith law oh man i mean his review today was just brutal it was like what was his exact statement? The Cleveland Guardians draft is a draft if you followed a model and didn't actually watch any of these players. It was like, <laughs> it was like dang. Because, <laughs> you know, he, he contends like Jordan Humphreys is a, uh, like, I can't remember the wording, but he makes him sound really bad. Like, he makes him sound like just a wasted draft pick. Um, you know, he, he makes Zibin sound like he's going to be uh, just, like, he's just a, like basically it's like if you just look at 17 year olds and this and that like i mean he 
I, I've always appreciated Keith because he does things like that. He just kind of he, he speaks his mind, and he's not, um, you know, he's not gonna just fall in. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we do think that Zibin's gonna sign for about one point two mil, is the reported. I originally heard something a lot more than that that he was gonna cost something like two. So that's interesting that he's gonna sign for that. Uh, but one point two mil, by the way, with his draft pick. Uh, that's a 1.51. I almost wonder if it's like 1.1, like if he got 1 million overslot or if he got like 1 million for But either way, they have to make a million. So, okay, the draft pool rules. In the past, this team has typically gone right up to the, the maximum, which is four point, you know, essentially 5% minus a dollar. Because you can go 5% over your pool minus a dollar. If you get to 5% over, well then you lose next year's draft pick. So that's why they stopped there. So they would go up to that minus a dollar and just maximize their spending. Last year, they're actually about left about four, about 5,000 on the table, a very small amount. And the year before that, they left money on the table. So we have to see what's going to happen this year. I don't know. Like, cause here's the thing. When you go over that 5%, each dollar passed is, uh, is taxed essentially. You know, if you spend, you know, that extra 5%, I should, you know, here, I'm going to pause and pull up my spreadsheet from last year to give you an exact example of how this would work. So you won't be able to see this as well uh, if you're listening, of course, because you can't see. But on the YouTube, you can see I make this every year and I kind of go through and just update it. It's nice and easy because I made a spreadsheet. And you can see right down here, it's like they could go over uh, $369,940. Now, when you can go over by that much, if they go over by that much, every single dollar they spend is double. So if they can go over by essentially 370000 there, to spend 370000 more costs them actually 760000 more. Uh, as you can see last year, that was what was left, is the 4500 This next to it, you can see, is my terrible redraft from last year. So don't, don't look at that. Um, I made some terrible mistakes just because I was sticking with my board and because... Uh, Gavin Williams was very good, but yeah, it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I really need to go back and audit myself if I'm being perfectly honest, but this is what kind of looks like. You can see that, uh, my one rule when I do the shadow draft is that I have to spend the same amount. So I couldn't go over what was here. So I was just kind of looking at ways to, uh, to make this work and make it function. But yeah, the, so the guardians typically can go over by this much. And like I said, from the impl implementation of the slotting system in 2012 until till, uh, 2019, they went over every year, often right up to it. Then since 2020, they have not. They've actually left minimal. I mean, $5,400 is not minimal to you and me, but in the terms we're talking about, you know, like $7 million spent, it, it's minimal. Uh, so they're not like, it's not a cheap thing, but it, it's a little bit of a cheap thing because an extra you can't tell me that having an extra you know 370,000 to spend last year wouldn't have allowed them to net one more high value player so just something to keep in mind something to kind of explain out here uh, as we talk about some of the players but uh, Zibin's 1 million I'm almost guaranteeing that all of that is going to come from the lotter I, I don't think he gets you know 3 million I, I think he's He's a guy who's rumored to maybe go like I liked him. I was high on him, but he was like he was rumored in the Guardians range. Well, a lot of people thought he'd go in the twenties. So 
you know, he might be like 2.5, which would save the Guardians like 1.4. And then that means 1 million to, uh, to Zibin and then 400,000 more to Humphreys. And then again, Campbell's probably full freight. Mezik, I think might be under Lampy should Lampe should be under Furman should be under Limbscombe should be under DeLuca should be. I mean, that's the thing. Most of these picks strike me as guys who should be under Javier Santos should be over. Humphrey should be over. Magnus, uh, or not Magnus, uh, Zivin should be over. Peterson, I think, is full freight where he is, just because he's a ninth rounder. So, yeah, I mean, they had a lot of kind of under dealings, so we're assuming that money's going to come back in. And I thought they might have more for day, th- a little bit for day three, but uh, it didn't appear like they did. So let's just talk about the 11th round is a very important round. Teams are targeting players in that round. It's... I would argue it's a more productive round than the 10th or 9th round, which are often just senior sign uh, blueses. Is that what I want is a word? But you get my point. You see a lot of senior signs. What happens in the 11th is you take a guy, you're feeling pretty good you're going to sign him. You've probably already got a, a deal in place, if we're being honest. Uh, but it is often a place where you're giving a little bit extra money. That might be where you're going above slot to get a guy right there. Um, you know, Rather infamously for the Guardians, the you know the Clint Frazier draft where they gave up two draft picks to sign Bourne and Swisher so they didn't have a ton of picks and I think their first after um when they were back I think it's the third round because it's like they gave up competitive balance pick and they gave up their second uh they they went out and added why did just uh Dice Keim Defiance Kid who went to is he a Vandy arm I don't think he was a Vandy arm I can't remember where he was from but the the rest of those, and then after that, it was all these underslot guys. And then day three starts, and they took Adam Plutko. And a lot of people are like, he's going back to school. Like, he had a disappointing junior year. They're not, but no, it turned out all of their savings went to Plutko in the 11th. And no matter how you feel about Plutko, Plutko's performance, I mean, he hit the big leagues for an 11th rounder. That's, that's solid. That is a solid pick right there. But let's talk about the 11th rounder this time. Magnus Ellerts. They did not take a pitcher from the University of Florida, but Ellerts was supposed to go to Florida, so they kind of did it this year. Six foot five, two twenty five, and his name is Magnus. Uh, he is pitching in the Cape currently. I had his Cape stats. Are those? I'm trying to remember which screen those are up on. Currently pitching in the Cape for uh, Chatham, and he's pitched well in the Cape. I thought I had it over here, but I think. I clicked on something else and, uh, you know, I decided to open the wrong tab and opened over it. He is, uh, he's pitched well. He's had some saves. He's not actually starting at all in the Cape. He's worked mostly out of relief, but he was a starter and he was dominant at the Juco level. He was a Juco pitcher. He's, you know, top categories across the board in a lot of things. Uh, you know, solid pitcher. He's going to go to Cleveland. He's not going to go to the University of Florida. There's a lot of uh, effort, and I mean, he looks like a reliever, and a big, strong reliever, and you know, as a small school guy who's bounced around a bit, well, he hasn't bounced around a bit, he's just been at Florida Southwestern State College, uh, you're hoping there's a little more growth potential, that he can maybe end up getting into something, so it's in low 90s, be mid 90s, and this, working with the slider could uh, you know, lead to being a solid relief type. Jack Jassick, uh University of South Florida. Shane McClanahan went there. They had three pitchers drafted this past weekend. He was starting out really well for them. 
uh, let's see. I was going to see if there's anything about. Oh, going back to Magnus real quick. Strikeout per nine over 13. Walk per nine of 4.7, which is kind of high, especially at the level he pitched at. So goes a little bit against type. Uh, it is funny over on Baseball Cube. There's like no data, no born, no place, no high school, no nothing. Uh, but Jassic, you have all of that. And uh, he was a, a uh, born in Illinois, went to college in Florida and stayed there. And he was a out on the, the Cape last year, just 18 innings uh, for him on the Cape, four starts. But he performed decently well. I only say decently well because he didn't actually miss a lot of bats, but he didn't get hit and he didn't walk anyone. So that's good. He performed, you know, the ERA was 289. He just didn't miss all that many bats. Uh, first, I mean, he's a starter all throughout his college career. And unfortunately for him this year, it was just the five starts because then the undisclosed medical injury in March. And I was going to say, in their press release, did they say uh, exactly what occurred uh, across? Yeah, shut down in late March due to injury. I mean, I'm thinking he's going to have major surgery, and he was just waiting because after he gets drafted, uh, it's he doesn't have to. That's on the team and not on him. Uh, you know, he's he's an undersized right-hander, doesn't throw really hard. It's it's a hard profile to typically find success. Uh, but the Guardians like something there. And, hey, another Cape performer. Stop me if you've heard that before. We're going to take a break here, come back, and continue to talk about uh, the draft picks, getting into some more interesting players that stand out in this year's 2022 draft class. And our second fantastic sponsor is the one closest to my stomach. That would be BuiltBar.com. I love Built Bar. I have expressed my Built Bar love throughout this. Uh, many years they've been a sponsor on the show. And why do I love them? Well, they make a large variety of fantastic-tasting gluten-free products. We're, I've talked about next week. We're going to go quiet here on the podcast because I'm going to go back to Ohio, see family, and all that stuff. Uh, and the video component being uh, such a big component anymore, it's hard to take it on the road. But I'm going to be taking the Bilt Bars on the road, uh, and you should too. I'm still tempted. I re- Toffee Almond in their original one was my favorite. The original Toffee Almond, to me, was the best flavor they had in the original set. You know, This is like Generation 2, and these are great you know, as well. Uh, they're, you know, uh, I, I like the original Toffee Almond a little bit more than their remake one, but even if it's not for you, there are so many great flavors at BuiltBar.com. They do coconut very well. My wife, um, the s'mores wasn't gluten-free. You know, there was the coconut brownie chunks. Again, my wife, she ate them already. Uh, those are gone. I'm a big fan of the churro. Uh, I've done that one in the past. And anything coconut is great at BuiltBar.com. When you go to BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. That saves you 15%. It's the code that I use. Go to BuiltBar.com today. It's the best-tasting protein bar you will find, bar none. Yes, that pun was intended. Okay, let's keep going with the draft. Yes, I know some people are probably drafted out. I get it. We're just kind of knocking these out uh, here over this week because there's not games to talk about. Uh, I didn't watch the All-Star game. So my favorite, again, <laughs> we already did that, right? I tried, to, I tried to shake it up for some of you who are not, who get worn out on the draft. I know that occurs. For those who do, that's why I tried to have some fun at the front of the show. But Tyrese Turner in the uh, the 13th round is, is my favorite day three pick. All Pac-12 defense. And when you go and, you know... It, wasn't a, a big draft name necessarily this year, but if you go and look at his high school draft profile over at Perfect Game, uh, it's interesting because he was originally committed to Oregon, ended up going to USC, 
but if you're looking at like his uh his 60 man, uh, 60 yard dash 644 that's 98th percentile for his class uh his infield arm 91 miles an hour 96th for the class his 10 yard split was actually not that high but his exit velocity was top result was 89 that's 78th percentile for his class and again he's a 5 foot 10 guy not really known for power uh, in college he hit a grand total of nine home runs. Now, again, it's essentially a two-year deal because he's one of those guys whose first year was 2020. But over the last two years, he got in 40 games as a redshirt freshman. He got in 51 this year. Uh, you're looking at a guy who this year was 333, 419, 520. And the bat pip data on him is solid across the board. Low strikeouts, low walks, uh, high contact, good defense, good speed. Sounds like a lot of guys in this draft class. Why do I like him a little bit more than some of the players that are mentioned from the day two part? He just did it at a higher level. He did it in a higher conference. That stands out to me. So yeah, I like him. I like the profile. I think it's a, a good utility profile. Maybe there's more, maybe there's not. But amongst the players on day three, uh, Tyrese Turner definitely stood out uh, for me in particular in this class. Uh, next up was Press Kavanaugh from UNC Greensboro. Another guy who performed very well at his level uh, this past year, a 340 average, 403 on base, 507 slugging, had 13 uh, doubles, four triples, eight home runs, did a little bit of everything. Strikeout percentage of nine, walk percentage of seven. Looking at probably a backup type if everything works perfectly. Uh, played, I think, all three spots, left-handed bat, right there with the press Kavanaugh. There's not a whole ton. You know, he's six feet tall. He Fits the profile, you know, double-digit stolen bases. Uh, just like, I mean, again, this is the type, right? Contact, low strikeouts, speed. This was the Guardians type in this draft. Next up, Adam Talak, Tal- who started out West Virginia, then went to College of Central Florida, then Wingate, and then ended this past year at Arizona State University. Uh, his college career started back in 2019, so he is a... Technically, he would have had another year of eligibility left because everyone had that lost year in 2020. That was his Central Florida year where he didn't really pitch. Uh, was at West Virginia last year before moving on to Arizona. Good velocity for a lefty. Missed a ton of bats. He, his strikeouts per nine throughout his career was always double digits. This last year was actually the lowest at 11.36. Uh, walk rates were pretty bad, almost six for his college career. So he is a lefty who misses bats with command issues. Not their normal type. So when they take someone who isn't their normal type, that stands out to me. I think at the end of the day, if you're the Guardians, you're like, he can already miss bats. Yeah, he needs to work on his command and his control. Uh, it kind of reminds me, I'm blanking. They took a picture many, many years ago from UC Irvin, Irvine, Irvine, uh, that many of us really liked. And I'm blanking on his name right now. And one of the things about that guy was he had like gone through like four different programs in his four years of college. He was awesome in like low A and high A, and many of us were talking about putting him in the top 10. Got to double A, and it, it didn't go well. Hopefully that doesn't happen here, but you're, you're betting on the consistency of coaching, that he has bounced around so much that he's not had any type of consistency. So you're like, okay, he's missed bats. He's an upside gamble. You know, you can never have enough left-handed pitching. Uh, and as an organization, they kind of needed a little bit more at left-handed pitching in general. So get why they did that. Uh, after him, Logan Clark, who I think is going to be a uh, a bit of a uh, – it's 
Sorry, I just got thrown off because I saw an article about Logan Clark, and then it's a Jessica Ellis in it, which is my sister's name. Which is over here, <laughs> what's going on? Why, why, why is that popping up there? Um, but I think he's going to be someone that fans like because at the end of the day, he is right-handed, he is a catcher, and he's a stocky build guy, and people always love the stocky build guys. And, yeah, he, and he's got power. So I think he is going to be a guy that stands out, pulling up his perfect game, data over here uh, he's another one though and again going against type we talked about that with Talak. we talked about it with javier uh he's 19 already he's 19 and a month old He is an older high school guy uh, when you're going through and looking at his data what's interesting is so yeah his 60 yard his 60 yard dash 10th percentile his 10 yard split fourth percentile he, he's not booking it uh, his catcher arm, 58th percentile, so not the strongest throw back there, but his pop time was 84th percentile. Exit velocity, 88.5. So he's getting the ball out uh, hard and quick. He hits the ball hard. You know, He has good pop times. Arm, not as great. So you're like, okay, just get him stronger, right? Uh, and then here's my favorite one. Shows good flexibility behind the plate with solid comprehension for his framing mechanics. It's like, okay, and there we know why he was a target for the Guardians. He can frame, is what Perfect Game is saying. But on top of just the data they had, it's like he's a, what, a 14th rounder, 15th rounder, 16th rounder. Wow, we did a whole six today. We only got four guys left to talk about. But he's a 16th rounder. It's a, why not gamble on a guy who can frame and potentially hit for above average power? Like, we'll see. The Guardians have struggled. I mean, high school catchers are riskier than high school pitchers, so who knows? Uh, they've spent a lot, of, you know, the Lucas Simeons, the Alex Leveskis, uh, you know, and there's the college guys. Like, Gavin Collins is still in the system, but, like, Michael Tinsley and I'm trying to remember. So, I mean, they used to draft, like, two catchers a year. And I thought for sure they'd add more catchers. Like, this is the only catcher they drafted. This was the best college catcher crop in a very long time, and they just ignored it. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, Logan Clark, L O G U N, I think is going to be someone that fans get interested in and intrigued by, especially if he comes out and starts hitting the ball hard, uh, just cause that's a right-handed bat who's a catcher with power potential is, I mean, it feels like what everyone is, uh, all the time asking for when it comes to the Cleveland guardians. I want to thank you for listening, uh, rating and reviewing all of that. I, I know I need to go in and thank some more people. I saw there were some iTunes reviews. I appreciate all the kindness. Uh, like I said, this time of year, it's I got a lot going on with the draft and everything else. So I appreciate everyone kind of letting me have my flight of fancy and really focus in. We will talk about the last four players tomorrow. And we'll also kind of preview how the schedule is shaping up. You know, people ask me about a Soto deal. And, and here's my response on why it's silly to talk about it. Uh the Guardians would never do it. <laughs> it's antithetical to everything they do. Uh, we're probably, like I said, we're going to do a preview tomorrow. We're going to get these last four players out. And then I've been debating, um, you know, if I want to do a top 15 prospects, if we want to re-rack things a little bit in that regard, um, or if we just want to, you know, start getting ready for the trade deadline on August 2nd. Either way, tomorrow's show, I guarantee, is going to be a lot of fun. I'm Jeff Ellis. This is the Locked On Guardians podcast. Remember, rate and review, download daily. It helps. And as I end every show, oh, and subscribe on YouTube. It also helps. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.